I'm Farai Chidea. On One with Farai, we have real conversations with intimacy, intellect, and revelations. It's a show about how visionaries integrate life, work, and passion. Join us on SoundWorks from PRI. Phone apps, GPS, even thermostats, all tracking you. Today, Thursday, November 13th, this is The World. I'm Carol Hills, and for Marco Werman, ever feel like there's no such thing as privacy anymore? The co-author of a new graphic novel about big data says a bit of paranoia is probably warranted. How can you not feel like you're in some kind of Philip K. Dick paranoid conspiracy when, when technology is sort of becoming part of, of everything in our life? Plus, the art of mushroom hunting. First lesson. This is um, not really a mushroom at all. Um, this is a slime mold. Got it. Plus, why Barbie dolls are so popular right now with shoppers in Venezuela. They ran over and started just grabbing armfuls of Barbies. They weren't even letting the salespeople put them on the shelves. Support for PRI's The World comes from TIAA CREF, a financial services company helping to create financial outcomes that matter. Learn more at TIAA.org. I'm Carol Hills, in for Marco Werman, and this is The World. Net neutrality. You hear those two words a lot these days. President Obama is for it. Internet service providers seem to be mostly against it. And everyone's got an opinion about it. Even comedian John Oliver. Net neutrality is actually hugely important. Essentially, it means that all data has to be treated equally, no matter who creates it. It's why the Internet is a weirdly level playing field. And startups can supplant established brands. That's how Facebook supplanted MySpace, which supplanted Friendster, which supplanted actually having any friends. <laughs> do, do you remember physically having friends? It was awful. You couldn't tap people's faces to make them go away. <laughs> Seriously, though, just how does net neutrality level that playing field? And frankly, what is net neutrality? Jonathan Zittrain can help us answer those questions. He has the Berkman Center for Internet and Society at Harvard Law School. Jonathan, first my question, how would you define net neutrality? Well, I define it against the backdrop of a remarkable thing about the Internet itself, which is unlike many other ways, even more plausible than the Internet, to build a global network that connects everybody up to send stuff to one another, the Internet is a kind of collective hallucination. It is only a set of protocols that say if somebody joining this network, connecting however it can, speaks those protocols it's a full-fledged member of the network. And that's one reason why the Internet has no main menu. It has no CEO. It has no business plan. It simply is. So net neutrality is a way of trying to lock in a bit or provide some boundaries around those initial conditions that had the Internet become the behemoth that it is right now. It's essentially trying to say to certain Internet service providers, don't start playing favorites. Don't say there are certain websites we're not going to let you get to, and if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Oh, you can't go somewhere else for broadband because we're your only broadband provider, and we won't let you say that we're going to have some bits go faster than others. That's the basic idea behind a net neutrality rule. Do we have net neutrality now in the United States? You know, we have de facto net neutrality. For the most part, when you do have a broadband provider, it's basically still using those best efforts to get your packets to where they're going. A lot of the net neutrality worries are front-loaded 
towards worries that have not come to pass yet, in which Internet service providers might choose to get creative with their business plans and start saying, oh, if you want a video conference, use our solution. You'll find that Google Hangout or FaceTime or whatever it might be doesn't work so well on our network. Net neutrality is trying to take stuff off the table before it really gets there. But I thought there were already cases where uh, companies, providers like Netflix, were having tussles with their ISPs or internet service providers about the speed with which their material was being delivered. And then customers were turning around and blaming, say, Netflix, but it was actually the ISP that was to blame. I mean, wasn't, hasn't there been an example maybe with Verizon and Netflix? Yes, this is an example of the original design of the Internet really starting to show its seams. And there are some people who reported, for example, that if they just went on their regular Verizon high-speed connection, they'd get pretty choppy Netflix. And if they created a fake connection, an overlay connection to another server, which, if anything, should introduce another hop, suddenly things got faster, that led them to infer that maybe somebody like Verizon...